ears to good friends. Cheers. 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 Hmm. That's sort of an oaky afterbirth. What was that? She did tell me to uh, get a beer and some cheese fries over at Eskimo Joe's. That's very nice, lovely. I only hope you feel this way when I'm done. Because I could destroy this night in two seconds. Why is that funny? <laughs> well, I think it's a bit funny to be trying to define nothing. <laughs> Smooth as a bourbon on a summer day. Strong as a peated scotch in the winter night. This is a fair warning. The Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. We're burning daylight. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Raise it up. Adam and Ann here, sitting with David Niles. We're joined today by the exotic producer Juan Posada. He called himself, he was very exotic, is what he said off air. So I'm just regurgitating you know what I'm, I heard. I'm browner than he is though right now you've cut yeah you cut a lot of sun yeah. we're also joined with uh jim jimothy james he's waving he's everybody. waving while watching he us on he did he didn't look at us but he no. did wave typical <laughs> dave no. imagine being a guy who enters a giveaway that's giving over 500 dollars worth of things Winning, and then not claiming the prize. Didn't the same thing happen last year? The same thing happened last year. Both years we've done this. And like winning and not even checking your email. So the winner of the Father's Day giveaway has not claimed his prize. If you're listening to this on podcast, that means that... It might be too late. It, it's probably too late. Uh, we I think he tried has, to I think email he has tomorrow. You. I think tomorrow. Has, tomorrow's the last day. Today's Wednesday. We're recording on Wednesday. Tomorrow's Thursday. Oh, yeah, Friday. So he has two days. He has two days. Okay. But typically, you would imagine somebody responding to an email of that them says, winning. Hey, you won. Yeah. Although that's a very fishy. Although, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, like, actually, scam I, usually, email. I usually just delete those immediately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, so we may be announcing a new winner very soon. Okay. We've had a very busy last like two weeks. A lot of things yeah. going on. The the Father's Day giveaway, uh, being on EWTN, Life on the Rock. Uh, we launched Pat Flynn's course. Mm-hmm. That's received a lot of really good feedback. Yeah. Uh, Just uh, got another email like yeah, this afternoon. Yeah, Jeff Gallant. Uh, Gallant. I always want to say Gallant. I'm sorry, Jeff. Just, uh, Jeff Gallant uh, sent an email. He's really appreciative of it. So, I mean, we've just had a lot of things going on. We're about to give away the Suma, uh, a Suma to one, one of, of our, our patrons. Patrons. And a hat to to uh, one of the uh, $10 a month patrons. Go in, go in if you can. Support us at, on patreon.com slash the Catholic Mansion. We give away a lot of awesome gifts. I'm biased, but it's true. And... Uh, we could really use uh, some extra support. We're going to we're going to be trying to do these courses uh, 
what we're going to try to release one a month. Uh, we've had such good feedback when we did the Carla Broussard, the five and going through the five ways with St. Thomas Aquinas. We had really great feedback with mm-hmm. Pat Flynn. Uh, we did a whole 10 part series on the domestic church with our wives. Yeah. Uh, we've had a lot of audio books that we've had recorded of papal encyclicals and documents and things of that nature, but we're trying to uh, do this once a month. And uh, so in order to do that, we, we need your support. So Patreon. I'm, I'm going to be doing the next class. You are? Yeah. On how to musk. I'm not even going to ask. Um, I, I it's actually... going to be good. It's uh, going to be good. I actually am going to be doing a book club on Patreon. I know you don't know this because you don't check, but um, I'm having a book club on the uh, book that I'm reading right now. We're going to just kind of walk through it, which is To Miss It Common Sense by Father Gary Gilgrange. Hmm. Nice. And once a month, uh, St. Stephen puts together a... Uh, once a month, like gathering, every, virtual gathering. Every time I think, "Ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that tonight," and then I can't. Something happens, and I just. Well, that's your fault. Sometimes it is not my fault. Sometimes it is. What are we drinking tonight? Fault is not the right word, but anyway, uh, we are tonight. We're drinking Kleinelish. Think that's how you say it. Kleinelish, fourteen. Um, this is a Highland. It's a coastal Highland. Uh, I would imagine a coastal highland will have more salty peatiness, maybe. Maybe. Let's get into it. I mean, uh, do you want me to pull up the notes? Oh, wait. Well, no. there's some notes here. The, yeah. <laughs> in fact, it was really funny. Uh, it says the nose starts with light candle wax, some sugar, and faint floral fragrance. However, it doesn't say however, but this is where it really it really gets good. Adding a little water brings this into focus. The candle wax is now more richly scented, as if when strolling near the beach, you have come across sun-dried flowers among the sand dunes. Come on. That is on the box. Come on. I love it. On the, uh, it says on the palate, there is a, on the spicy palate, there's a signature oily, Mustard cress crispness, which is underscored by some maritime saltiness in the satisfying drying finish. I want to know how, I guess like sea saltiness, but like yeah. maritime saltiness, that sounds a little redundant to me. But anyway, let's try it. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. Cheers to your uh, month vacation. Thank you. I look forward to it. Be nice. I get. I'll tell you when I get there. I get green apples. Ooh. Uh, on the nose, I is what I get. I get a lot That's of green good. apples. A lot of. I don't get near as much floral. I get a lot more uh, fruity. I don't, I don't really get a lot on the nose. Green, green apples, honestly, orange like, peel. Well, it's dried flowers. Dried flowers. Well, you have good. to add a little, like a little water for it to to really bring it into focus, you know. But I like it. As my dad would say, Debbie, good. That is very good. Yes. That is good. I like it. It has a little peatiness to it. It was as like well. 80 bucks. Sm- yeah. I think it's well worth it. I do too. Uh, I actually took, like, do you think Highlands have, tend to be more expensive? No. I have issues, though, so? with, like, what you always say, like, if it's the, with the price of whiskeys. I've been thinking about this, and okay. every, time, every time it's like $50, not worth it. Uh, and like you can't just compare, just because one whiskey is more than Ardbeg, 
which you like. I do like Ardbeg. That you can't say like it's not worth it because I'd rather just have Ardbeg. You can't say that because fair enough, fair enough. That's just not. It's not a good depiction. Fair enough. Just had to get that off my chest. How do you feel? Oh, it wasn't as satisfying as because you didn't like put up a fight. So okay, I thought you were going to uh, come back <laughs> at me. Oh and- well, you're. How about this? You're dumb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're yeah, not well, worth it. That didn't that that ruined it. Is that it. better? If you I... ruined it. You ruined it. But it's a fair argument. Uh, that's the thing I about me think... is I know fair arguments when I hear them. <laughs> I do think eighty dollars for this bottle is is well worth it. Mm-hmm. It is a very good. What do you think, Jim? Is it on the yummy scale? What do you? Mid yummy. Mid yummy. Mid yummy. I'm not sure if that means like what if it's just standard yummy is mid yummy less or more than is it like yummy plus yummy minus right in the middle. just it's yummy okay uh, to me th- this is unlike any Highland that I can remember having you know it doesn't have the I don't know it's it's just not like the easy easy flavor you know this is kind of more like a like an Isla Scotch almost. It's just got like a lot of bam in your face flavor. Yeah, I dig. I dig. I love it. Hey, I want to give a shout out to uh, Father Kerry Lubakulich. So I went down to Dallas, Texas this week. America. America. In America. Yes. So Father Kerry Lubakulich brought like 10 to 12 guys all together to try to figure out what is happening with Catholic masculinity? He basically had like a think tank session. He 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 realized he's in the college setting. You know that's where he he ministers. But like that's right. where his parish is, is yeah. in Stillwater, which is at Oklahoma State. And he just realizes he's looking around. And he's seeing like where are all the good Catholic men? Why are they not here? Uh, and so he he just brought together a bunch of men to figure out, you know, what do we need to do? Like, what's the problem? What are the solutions? Let's eliminate some of the bad solutions or some the bad ideas and all get together to execute uh, the good ideas. And so I just thought it was really, it showed great leadership, I thought, of a priest to take the time to not only realize the problem, but to say, no, I need to get guys together. Let's try to, let's try to figure this out and like for a local setting. You, you know what I mean? Like, as with a bunch of local guys, we're all here together. Let's try to figure this out, and let let's be very specific so we can execute this idea and come back. You know, here in a couple months, and let's let, let's get back together and reconvene and see what's working, what's not working. I just appreciate that in a priest who who realizes where the problems lie in his parish. So there's going to be a follow up meeting. Yes, in um, August. He said late late July, early August, and we're on there. Okay. Um. So anyway, like I just appreciate. Being proactive, or at least totally. you know, trying like caring and wanting to get you know, w- like wanting to get um, advice from other people, wanting to get other people's thoughts, uh, and like orchestrating it and trying to figure out, okay, let's do this all together. Like, um, really appreciate it. Really respect him. It was it's the first time that I had a chance to really hang out with Father Kerry for it for an extended amount of time. He's a great man. I date. Yeah. I appreciate him. I'm grateful he's on the Lord's team. Me too. And and especially that he's in the Diocese of Tulsa in Eastern Oklahoma. We have a lot of awesome priests here. We do. We're going to talk about priesthood today. We are. All right. We'll be right back.
This segment of The Catholic Man Show is brought to you by The Catholic Woodworker. Go to thecatholicwoodworker.com for heirloom quality home altars, crucifixes, and rosaries. It's also the only place where you can get the official rosary of The Catholic Man Show. Type in promo code TCMS for 10% off all purchases. TCMS for The Catholic Man Show. CatholicWoodworker.com. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I am David Niles. Here with Adam Minahan. As we told you already, we've got Juan Posada and Jim Spencer in the house. We're drinking a little Kleinalish, which is delicious. I hope we're saying it right. Probably so aren't. it's so good. It's something that deserves to be said right. We can only do so much. We're, anyway, so we're just gonna move, we're gonna move on to the man gear. For those of you who are new to the show, we do three seg- we do three things on every episode, almost every episode. The first one we have already done. We open review and we open review and enjoy a manly beverage. The second one we're about to do, which is where we highlight a man gear of some kind. The third thing, which we will get to shortly, is we have a manly discussion on a manly topic. Today our man gear is the tuxedo. Is there a more manly topic than the priesthood? No. There's Jesus. The high priest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like everything event it's like everything is kind of it's like secretly Jesus if it's not overtly Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everything on this show anyway. What do you do what are you talking about today? Jesus secretly. People won't know it. Cuz he's in disguise. But the man gear today is the tuxedo. Okay. You own a tuxedo. I own a tuxedo. You're like, renters, stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Renters. Uh, I remember remember those days. Uh, I do own a tuxedo. Uh, I bought the tuxedo that I was married in. Still fits me. Thank you very much. Still look awesome in it. Thank you very much. I do say so myself. And I do. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> Jim is over there. He couldn't handle that. I remember my first that. beer. Uh, so for me, this is what I did. If if this situation applies to you, maybe you can do the same thing. Just think about it. Joe Q, we're looking at you. He's, he's did, did I take? No, I didn't know no. Joe's getting married. Yeah, he, in, he got engaged. Joe Q. What? Yeah, he got engaged. That's so awesome. pumped. Congratulations, Joe. Congratulations. I'm Joe. sorry I didn't tell we, you, but it's even better that I told you now. We on knew this show. you could do it. <laughs> Uh, there were people who they they had their doubts, and I said, "No, don't you doubt, Joe? No way. You, you guys can just go. You don't even know, Joe. No. Anyway, uh, when I was getting married, I rented my tuxedo from Men's Warehouse, mm-hmm. like a lot of people. Uh, and if you had like so many paid tuxedo rentals, which that's why you should have a lot of groomsmen, because then you can benefit from it financially." Because um, <laughs> that's what it's about. <laughs> so they said you can either get one free tuxedo rental or half off anything in the store. And I did the math. It's like these tuxedos, they're less than 200 bucks. The or the the rentals are, you know, or I could buy this $800 or however much it was tuxedo for $400 and get $400 off. Like that's a that's more money off 
So that's what I did. So I have my tuxedo, and I didn't know how often I would wear it. I wear it a lot. Um, it was weird when you came over the other day wearing your tuxedo. <laughs> it was after six. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Dave, I just asked you what, to help me. What are you, heathens? Yeah, I just asked you to help me to move the sprinklers. Right. <laughs> Showing up in a tuxedo. Did you ever watch 30 Rock? Yes. What was the guy's name? Uh, the rich guy. I don't know. I don't remember his name, but he always had a tuxedo on. And it's like, why are you wearing a tuxedo? It's after six. It's after six. Yeah. Why wouldn't I be? You know? Uh, so yeah, actually I wear my tuxedo all the time. No, not all the time. That's over exaggerating. I wear it a lot. I wear it a lot more than I thought. Whether it's to uh, fundraising dinners or weddings. Um, th- there's just more black tie affairs than you think. You know, the kind of affair that you don't have to wear a tuxedo, but if you have one, totally cool. Did you ever ruin a black tie affair? Well, we could, we can talk about that later. Okay. I showed up in boots. It was a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing you're not allowed to do. You can do boots and suits. You cannot do. I almost tuxedo. You cannot do tuxedo and I suits. I almost pull, I almost went with the cowboy boots. Why not? Uh, Why didn't you? I had a meeting that I just. A cowboy boot is. I didn't have the con. You know what? I didn't have the confidence. Okay, it, it, you're, you're like the cowboy boot is 100% acceptable. It's not like a weird thing to do. I just didn't have the confidence. See, that's why it's like you don't know that it's just regular. That's what you think that it takes confidence. Yeah, I guess so. It's just regular. Yeah, this is Oklahoma, so true. There are some things about the tuxedo, like for instance, what makes something a tuxedo? A jacket. There's a jacket involved. Right. It's but like, how it's do you distinguish between? Um, the tuxedo and the suit because you can have tuxedos and suits that have almost the exact same cut mm-hmm. right the lapels are typically different isn't mm-hmm. it a top notch for tuxedo so there are some uh, notch there are some notch differences but that's uh, tip that are more standard in tuxedos than um, a suit like uh, the lapel but but, yeah. but really the lapel is one is is one of them but it's satin so the presence of satin is typically something that would make it a tuxedo. So you'll have tux- satin um, on the lapels, on the buttons, the pockets trim, and then uh, typically a stripe down the outside of the trouser. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's how you can tell it's a tuxedo. There are a couple other things that y- you would do with a suit you wouldn't do with a tuxedo. Um, w- uh, one of them would be um, wearing a high stance vest. Okay, so Wait, you would do this with it. You would not wear a high stance vest with, with, a with a tuxedo. Where you would, especially with like a tweed suit. Is cummerbunds back in? Uh, I don't think so, but cumber, but uh, it is definitely a traditional tuxedo apparel to wear the cummerbund. I don't even know what the purpose of the cummerbund is. Okay, but just to um, keep your gut in. Yeah, yeah I guess <laughs> it does do that. <laughs> Can't even see. I think it's to hide your pistol. That's what I think. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> That's why James Bond <laughs> always had one. But he didn't ever wear it. Actually, he never I don't know about the old I don't know about the old movies, but in James Bond movies that have come out in my lifetime, I do not recall him wearing a cummerbund. Um so there's some things you should not do with a tuxedo and that you should not wear it before six o'clock. That is a rule. Um or Depending on where you live, if uh, it's either you have to wait till six or sundown, whichever comes first. Um, now, there are sometimes like, all right, you're going to a wedding that's at five. 
but then there's going to be the reception afterwards, which is, you know, it's like, it's okay in that situation. You get a lot of miles out of a tuxedo in Alaska. Yeah. Sundown. Oh, yeah. It's like, for the next 23 hours, this baby is going to be on. Right. And even even if it's six o'clock, it's like, oh, the sun's not down, but you still wear it. Yeah. So, um, yes, you should not be, shouldn't be worn during the day because it really is evening wear. Okay. Um, it should be black. They come in different colors, but this is to be rejected. You should not. You're taking a stance on this. Do huh? not be the idiot who buys a tuxedo in any other color than black. If why? You, it's just stupid. That's why. Why? It's you have to have a good reason. If you make this kind of stance, you better have a good reason. Because the tuxedo is black tie. That's what it is. Okay, so you have a black tie. No, you don't have a black tie with a, like a tan. What about what about white? Okay, so that's white tie, or what they call a tropical black tie. So in uh, this is way too fancy for me. I don't in, even know in what like you're talking in about. the tropics or in hot climates, they they don't wear they don't want to wear black, and so there is this where they would wear a white jacket, mm-hmm. and they call it tropical black tie. I like. Okay, I'm going to push back a little bit because the white tuxedo has significance in a marriage, a purity of the man with the purity of the like purity of the woman. Uh, so, uh, white tie is a whole other level of um, white tie is even more formal than black tie. What if you wear a white tuxedo with a black tie? Is that still considered a white tie? Um, I because don't. I don't know that you would want to do. I don't think you should do that. What if you do? So, like, this is the thing about when you're getting into this level of elegance. It's not about what your style is. It's about honoring and and um, conforming to, to traditions and customs. Okay? That's why I'm saying do not buy a tan tuxedo. It's stupid. The purpose of wearing a tuxedo is because there's tradition behind this type of clothing. It, you wear a tuxedo to something that you're hoping to like show the dignity of the thing you're doing, um, whether it's to honor a, you know, like a fundraiser, fundraising dinner or a, like a person or some, just the fact that someone's throwing a, a fancy party even. Like, okay, yeah, it's a, this is a, not a regular party, you know, just to honor the guests mm. who are at the party, right? And so it's not about your style. It's about dignifying the event. That's why you wear it. I, I can get behind that. I was talking to Derek Lissy recently, who's he works with me, he works with me at the Chancellor. He's the yeah. uh, stewardship and development coordinator, uh, and he was saying he always wears tie and suit. He always wears a suit to to work. Right. And he was saying like, listen, I don't do it just for me or just because I have other people uh, that I have to meet with. I do it for my coworkers. Yeah, exactly. Because it's about I, honoring everybody. I'm like I'm upholding this dignity of like our work of like you're working with me and yeah. you know this is like I'm just taking it shows I'm taking a time and effort to uphold uh, mm-hmm. what we're doing here. Like there's some guys in my office who when they don't have a client meeting that day they'll wear a golf shirt. I don't do that because just because I don't have a meeting today, uh, maybe you do, and like you're gonna have clients in the office. So, like, I want to make sure that I'm not looking like a slob in front of... Like, is that what you want? Like, oh, you bring your clients in, and then the guy next door is in, you know, in the office next is in a t-shirt? Right. What you if know? it's a tuxedo t-shirt? And, and like, 
There's maybe some room there. I, I, well, is it after six? Is it an evening meeting? You know. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing about the tuxedo, you have to wear black patent shoes. Patent leather shoes are the shiny, the shiny, shiny ones. shoes. These days, patent leather is kind of out in the business world, but it will it, it it will not go out for the tuxedo. Okay, there you go. We're gonna talk about priests and honoring them, and I have some like controversial things maybe. Okay, we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. We're gonna talk about the priesthood, honoring priests. When Dave first brought up this topic, I gotta be honest with you, dude. I was, I was like, no, I don't want to do this. Um, but it wasn't because I, I just didn't realize the angle you were going to take. Ah. Because you, all you said was, we're gonna talk about the priesthood. Right. And I was like, no, if we're gonna talk about the priesthood, we need to bring a priest in. Uh, it's not like I don't want to talk about the priesthood without another priest or somebody like that. And then Plus, we, we already know about the priesthood. Right. Uh, but then you. you I liked the angle that you were taking with it, like honoring. Mm-hmm. How to honor a priest. And then uh, if we don't get to it by the end, I'm going to give a, sh- uh, like a sneak peek on like things I think priests shouldn't do, which is going to be controversial, mm-hmm. and then what lady shouldn't do, and then what priests should do, and what lady should do. I like it. Bring back a couple a little, things. I think we could use a little clericalism, honestly. <laughs> Let's bring it you back. You know, like, I don't know what it's like in other countries. There is zero clericalism here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know, yeah, uh, honestly, I think we have uh, the laity here in our particular diocese has struck a, a, a healthy balance, you know, in the laity to cleric relationship. Because um, a lot of what we're going to say would, would applies. It's not just priests. It's deacons. You know, it's... Um, a cleric. Sure. Uh, by degrees, of course. You know, you don't treat a deacon like a priest. You don't treat a priest like a bishop. Um, and even though cardinals are typically bishops, still, if you're a cardinal, there's a, like, you know, some extra dignity that I think uh, is merited at that with that station. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know, not because of an extra ordination. There's Cardinals not ordinate ordained any extra, but sure. Still, cool. I, you know, it's all about the honor and dignity that goes along with with it. The vocation. Okay, so where do you want to start? Okay, so um, I want to start with just some things that I think have uh, kind of fallen out of practice among among the lady, and I think that you know the things that that they were some of these things they were done in order to honor the priest and the priesthood. Um, just as a way of showing the importance that the priesthood plays in the life of the laity. Okay. Because, I mean, just picture your life without any priests. It'd be terrible. It'd be hell. It, it, would, be, it would be the worst. It'd be hell. Right. I mean... Because just, there would be no sacraments. There'd be no sacraments. There'd be no Eucharist. There'd be no confession. Um, you could, we'd still have baptisms, but um, it, it would... Well, it's like, what would you do without a priest? It'd be terrible. And I, I th- we just kind of take it for granted that, oh, we have priests and that we'll just keep having priests. Um, we met uh, Leek, Bris- Brisku, Brisku, I don't rem- actually know how to say his last name. One of our followers, um, he came with... Patrons. His- patrons, yeah, he's one of our patrons, thank you. Uh, he was here with his wife and brother-in-law. Um, he came through town, and so we went and grabbed a drink together. His brother-in-law is a priest in... Um, Italy. No. No. Uh, oh. Lake. Al- 
Um, it's kind of it's by Albania. Anyway, um, Albania, yeah. I'll think of it in a second. He said there's only 12 priests in the whole country. There's like a, a little over a million people there in the country. It's a small Montenegro. Montenegro. Uh, I mean, it's just can you? Boy, I was way off. Sorry yeah. about that. It's okay. Um, can you imagine that? Twelve, and uh, two of them are retired, and then one is a bishop. And I guess like when there's really ten of you to cover a million people, even though you're the bishop, I would imagine you still have a parish. I mean, I don't know, but <laughs> that's what I'm guessing. So anyway, um. Some of there are like some basic things that I think we can do that really honor the priest when he's being a priest. One of the things we've talked about before is that when you receive a blessing from a priest, you should kneel. If if you're if you're physically able to kneel, um, that is something you should do, even if nobody else is kneeling. That's okay. The thing is, other pe- people don't know to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I grew up in a Catholic home. I went to Catholic schools. Uh, you know. No one ever taught me that, hey, when you get a blessing, you should kneel. Right. Um, it's not until I started going, like, had some contact with the traditional community, the traditional, like, Latin mass community, that, like, oh, they started doing it, and I looked into it, and it's like, yeah, this is something that you should do, because it honors the priest when he's blessing you. It's, you know, it just is a way of dignifying him. And I say this, um, one of the things that when Pamela and I first started dating, um, and when we got married... She would do little things that I just, that would really build me up as her husband. Little things like this. When we would kneel, she would wait for me to kneel first. She would, like, if I was standing, she was standing. So she would defer to me, like, oh, if you stand, I will stand. When you kneel, I will kneel. And I found, I just felt very honored, you know, as her husband. And like, now as we were getting married, that she would. I don't know, like, it ju- it really did mean a lot to me that she was willing to make that little sign of uh, deference. It's, n- it's not a big deal. Who, you know, like, that's something very small. But it really did build me up as her husband. Um, and so kneeling when a, when a priest is blessing you, I think it kind of is along those same lines, that you're recognizing his authority, you know, and that's really kind of why we honor priests because they have this wonderful authority. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. Whenever Leek and his brother were here, we were at a brewery and they were they were having to leave, and so it was like Juan's family, your family, my family. Between look, we made up like half of the brewery. Right. Yeah, we were all there because there was a lot of us, and we had all, all of our, our kids. kids. Yeah, right. you know, and so uh, we were like, "Hey, you guys are leaving." Well, Shout out to the Nook Brewery in Broken Arrow. Yeah, they have the kids Nook. They have a play area for kids. Right. right. It's just it's awesome. Wonderful. Great idea. Uh, and so we're like, hey, why don't you give us a blessing? And he goes, okay. Well, and remember, he, the culture there where he's from isn't very Catholic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not very Catholic. Um, and so uh, he goes, yeah, I'll give you I'll give you guys a blessing. And then Santi, I'll give uh, Santi uh, some a shout out here. One one son instantly knelt down. Mm-hmm. He heard blessing, boom, knelt down. We all knelt down. In the brewery, he, we, we were quite the spectacle. Yeah, and I remember awesome. thinking, I actually tweeted this. I, I actually said, like, this is way more awkward for you guys than it is for us. This is kind of normal for us. So I know you guys are sitting there looking at us, wondering, like, what the heck's going on? This is way more awkward for you than it is for us. I have to imagine, though, that the people watching thought, it was like, what was that? Like, 
What did just you, happened? Did you guys see that? Yeah. They I all know. they all knelt down, and then there's like that un, that one dude. He might be a priest. <laughs> he was like waving his. He was like some Jedi. Yeah, wave, waving his arms, making the sign of the cross. He did like a a cross, like a plus sign. Yeah, I amazing. think he blessed them. Yeah, I bless cool. you. May your lives be plus. I hope. I hope in like ten years, Santis listens to this and is like, yeah. gets a sat- shout out. Uh, yeah, no, awesome. I, no, I agree. I, but I do agree. I think that is something that's that's important to do whenever like. Uh, the another one is something you just did. I'll let you tell the story uh, about kissing the hands of a priest. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so Father Josh Vitruba is one of the two new or newly ordained priests here in the Diocese of Tulsa in Eastern Oklahoma. Next year, we possibly have three, and God willing, the following year we could have five. So, so our like, our parish, Saint Benedict's, we are like we're a, we're like a good, fairly big parish. You know, we're not huge. Uh, like what, twelve hundred families or something? Uh, Sixteen hundred, I think. I don't know if we still are, but well, anyway, not, you know, it's like a, a regular big parish. We've had s- f- priests from our parish. Is this six years in a row, or is this six out of seven years? I'm not positive. I think I don't, I'm not positive either. It's either that we've had six priests ordained from our parish in the last six years, one every year for like the last six years in a row, or. I think that's what it is. I think it's we've had six in a row. It's incredible. Like you know why? We're because awesome. we have we have adoration. Adoration plays a huge part in this. It okay, definitely but does. this this sidetrack. So yes, yeah, so right. um, I asked for a blessing from our newly ordained priest, which is a custom that you you, you always ask for a blessing. In fact, the within bishop, the first year. Yeah. In fact, the bishop. One of the first things that happens after uh, in an ordination mass. One of the first things that happens right after the or, like being ordained, the bishop asks for a blessing, mm-hmm. right? And so. Um, there's special graces that are um, given to a newly ordained priest. I think there's an indulgence. Yes. And after he blesses you, uh, the custom is to kiss the inside of his hands. Palms. The palms of his hands. And the reason why is is because the in the ordination, the, the holy oils are anointing the inside of his hands because these his hands, hands... are consecrated now. These hands are now... Uh, turning bread and wine into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if he had, if those hands have the power to do this, you know, ordained by God, right? Um, they should be held to a very high honor. My hands can't do that, yeah. right? And so, just the 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 miracle of transubstantiation. Through these, through these hands, the hands of of, of these priests, mm-hmm. um, of course, like like and, if you actually also, start, if you actually think about, it, hold on, uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. if you actually think about uh, what actually happens at the holy sacrifice of the mass when the Eucharist becomes the body, blood, soul, and the divinity of Christ, and the hands that are holding it up is holding up Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, there were people in Jesus's day that were just trying to touch his tassel, right? You know, for a miracle. Yeah, that was their gospel this last week. Right, and so, but but here it is: a priest who are is holding up Christ with his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, why would you not reverence those hands? Right, they're they're big, they're very special hands. Right, um, and in fact, you know, the priest who stands as an altar Christus, another Christ. You know, it's like in a, in some way, in a mysterious way, now his hands have been configured to the hands that bore the nails. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so 
there's a reason why we honor the hands of a priest. This is an old tradition that's fallen out of out of practice. It's a little bit weird to kiss another another man's hands. You know, like that's not something that we do. At least in America. In America, I don't know that many people do that around the world. Maybe yeah. some people do, but it's it really is when you understand why it's done um, and you do it reverently. It's just really beautiful. So we'll be right back. We'll talk more about this. Do you feel like God is calling you to go on a pilgrimage? Well, for the last 34 years, Select International Tours has been leading pilgrimages to holy sites all over the world. And you want when you go on pilgrimages, Dave, you want to make sure you have the great the best hotels, you're touring with the best guides, and every detail has been addressed. And that's exactly what you're getting with Select International Tours. So, for more information, go to their brand new website, selectinternationaltours.com. They have been a sponsor of the Catholic Man Show for a long time now. Even during the COVID pandemic, they were still sponsoring our show. A lot of other tour companies were really shutting down. These guys were consistent. So go to selectinternationaltours.com to find out more information about all the great pilgrimages they offer all over the world. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're talking about honoring priests. We've covered two things in the last segment. But man, did we cover them. We covered them so good. Terribly. So what are the, I want to hear some of the things that uh, you had, that you said we wanted to get to. I want to make sure to get to them because... Okay, but before we do, here's something else that I want to uh, bring up. Okay. In... Uh, and the holy sacrifice of the mass. One thing that I learned also from going to a traditional Latin mass at FSSP parish uh-huh. was when the priest is processing in to look at the like to Ooh, to, to yeah. move move your body towards them and, and and bow your Just head a slight bow a slight bow uh, towards him as he as he moves down the aisle. Now the and I I do this at Saint Benedict. I do too. Um, and. I'm like the only well, Jim's thumbs upping. I think he might do it. He, you do it as well, Jim. So like, there's three people out of 1,800 families, 1,600 families that do this, and I know at people, least, at least, maybe at least, more, maybe, maybe more. more. But all it is is it's acknowledging that, like, listen, I understand that you're about to uh, consecrate the Eucharist uh, mm-hmm. up here, and so I'm grateful for you. Right, and it's not about honoring. The man. None of this is it's about like. Oh, I want to honor our 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 pastor, Father Brian Brooks. It's not about honoring the man, Brian Brooks. It's about honoring the priest, Father Brooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because it's about honoring his priesthood. It's about honoring his vocation. When I make my children say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, to myself and Lady Pamela, it's not about like I'm so important. Right. It's about that's I'm your father, and you need to be respectful to me as your father. Yes. Not because I'm great. I could be a louse of a father. All the same, it it doesn't matter how right. how how good or bad you are as a father. A child should still respect their father. Absolutely. So that's what it's about. Also, just for like just to let you know, this is something that I learned. A while back ago, and it was embarrassing to learn. It's one of those things that I wish somebody would have told me no, this. Hey, somebody could have uh, filled but me in. When you're 
addressing a priest, maybe even a priest you don't know, maybe it's not your parish priest, uh, you always address them, father, last name. You know, not their their first name. Like, of course, priests will sometimes go by sometimes their first have, name. Uh, and some pe- prefer to go that way. And if they tell you that, that's okay. That's okay. But the uh, the respect, the the polite thing to do, mm-hmm. the, the thing... Um, the courteous thing to do is always assume father, last name. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know their name and you don't want to just say father, you can say reverend father. Yes, that's another way to do it. Yeah. Which is actually actually their correct title. Like when you address mm-hmm. a, uh, when you if you mail a, a letter to mm-hmm. a priest, they're actually reverend father so and so. And they become very reverend when they're like a vicar general. Well, there are, f- I think there are five. Very reverends we're within gonna, the diocese. Yeah. I'm not going to... I don't know yeah. what they all are, but yeah, the vicar general is one. Mm-hmm. Um, the vicar, vicar for priests, priests is another. another yeah. Obviously, the bishop is... Uh, well, no, no, no. Most he's what, reverend. Most reverend. That's right. Most reverend. Yeah, there's, the, cathedral. There's, the cathedral. Yes. Yeah, the, the rector. rector. The rector. The rector exactly. at, the, at well, the cathedral. Well done, Juan. So, they are very reverend. Yes. Because of their office. Okay. So, you want me to get in... Oh, like, is yeah, there I other things? I think that's what everybody's waiting around to hear. Okay. Well, I can do this. I was going to talk about the bowing. Oh, I'm glad, but I forgot. Forgot. But okay. So, so here's here's a couple things that I uh, I actually pulled this from uh, another shout out to Father Kerry and our our good friend Father Brian O'Brien. They have a podcast called Pastors of Pain, and a while back ago they did two different episodes. You can go look at them up. They did a things that drive priests crazy about their parishioners, Mm -hmm. and things that that drive parishioners crazy about the priests. It's not named that, but that's the that that's the um, essence of uh, of the show, and so they they brought up a couple of different things, which is all good. Like, listen, people get way too offended way too easily. Um, totally. So I, I want it to. I just lose it when people get offended. Yeah, I want I want to bring up a couple things because I know we have priests that listen to the show as well. I've been uh, working for the church now for a few months, so I have a little bit more information as far as like working kind of inside baseball, understanding like what all the priests do and um, see them on a day-to-day basis more. Uh, so things to not do as a priest. I'm, I'm pulling this from Pastors of Pain and then also just kind of my, my experience. As a priest, it is it drives us crazy as lady when you do not respond. Now I get it. The emails slip through the cracks. Phone calls slip through the cracks. Text messages slip through the cracks. But as a general rule, if I'm taking the time to reach out to you, to ask you a question, or uh, ask for your advice, guidance, whatever, and there's no response, um, it, it just doesn't look good. Like, And that, that, that goes with Business 101, right? I remember as like in business class in college, yeah. they talked about the importance of responding you know, and and in a timely manner. I'm not looking for you to respond in an hour, but you know, in a 24 to 48 hour, you should have enough time. To I think I think a week, if you, you like, you, depending, depending, on, depending depending on what, on what it, it is, is, depending on, on what, what it is. is, sure. But like, just as a rule of thumb, because what ends up happening, and I know that you get, you know, as priests, you probably get some crazy emails from people that are. Um, oh, ridiculous. I can just not even imagine the emails um, as but, a priest. But for for the normal person, normal situation, you receive something, you don't respond. The what you're conveying is is like 
I'm too busy to respond to this. I don't care. And I think that's just a poor, I think that's a poor th- right. uh, way to respond. Like yeah. there are times where I have tried to reach out to priests and I have emailed them. I have texted them. I have called them. I've left voicemails and I've gotten, it's radio silence. And right. it's like, if you don't want to talk that to me. That has happened to me uh, as well. And I it, was fully, I would have been just fine if they would have just said no. It, or they just said like, hey, I can't talk to you right now. Or, you know, I was like asking if they would be willing to do something. Like, they could have just said no. That wouldn't have. Right. I would totally understand. It. It. It's it, it just poor. It's just. It's just poor courtesy. It. it just is poor form. Yeah. Uh, another one is 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 on confessions. Uh, have enough time for confessions. Don't make it just uh 15 minutes before mass. I know there's a lot of priests that have uh, multiple parishes, rural parishes. They have to drive uh, things like that, but. If you're, whenever you have confession, be on time. Yeah. And if you are having confession times, like, oh, before Mass, and consistently there are people still in line before Mass, before Mass, then that's a sign that you ha- your faithful would like more confession time. And if that works for them, like, okay, well, then get there sooner. Right. Right. And just be on time because there's a lot of people who want to be behind the screen or whatever else, and they're in line, and all of a sudden, like yeah. the priest is walking in uh, because they're 20 minutes late, and they see everybody walk, you know, in the line. And Sometimes though, it's like also the laity they need to learn to go to confession faster. That's like well, okay, so that's some yeah, some people. It's like look, it like I look old lady. I see you here all the time, right? It's not like it's been 20 years since your last confession. Like right. 30 minutes, come on, get it together. Write it down or something and hand right. it to him. Right. Uh, so I want to get to the, uh, also the lady. The other, did you get all the ones for the priest? That you well, no, down? not yet, but I'm going to come back. I'm going to revisit. I see what you're doing. So uh, for the lady, things that the lady do that uh, kind of drive priests crazy, and this is one that I've been guilty of. Father Brian O'Brien opened my eyes. I realized this. It's like, okay, this is something I need to get you know, make sure I, I, I pay attention to. After Mass, the priest has 15 to 20 minutes after Mass to be able to reach out to the people who are going out of the sanctuary, right? If you're a guy who has access to the priest, you you are in your friend of theirs, or you you have their email, you have their phone number, whatever, you can, you can reach out to him anytime. That is not the time to talk to him. The priest is focused on at that point, in talking to the people who aren't, maybe aren't there very often, maybe who are new, new faces, yeah. maybe are like, oh, I haven't had a chance to talk to this person in six months, and we're going to be doing a baptism soon. I need to make sure to reach out to him. Or they sent him an email, and he just realized he hasn't responded. Yes, I mean, it's like, so, wait, wait, so, I got your email. But that's that's something that I've been very guilty of, because... I like to talk to priests. I have a lot of priest friends. It's like, oh, this is a good yeah. time to, to, to have a good conversation. That is not the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Priests are trying to reach the other the flock that they don't have a chance to talk to very often. Sure. Leave them alone. Uh, another one is, is, is um, listen, if you're going to complain to a priest, like, don't complain unnecessarily. Before you complain, before you have issues with what you bring up, make sure, one, it's within church teaching. Uh, it's not just your strong opinion, political opinion, whatever else. Your your priest gets hammered all the time with 
issues, complaints, make it worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got to say you got to save your chips. If you're going to complain, it's like is this really what you want? Is this the hill you want to die on? Cuz you know, like if you complain all the time, it's going to be start to be water under it's, the bridge. Well, yeah, and it waters it down. Right. And you're crying wolf too many times. Right. Um so uh, some to leave uh, maybe on a more positive note, some of the things that uh, I, I really appreciate when priests do things for me is when they call me, text me, email me, and let me know they're praying for me. Oh, yeah. We have a priest that reaches out to us every yeah. week, asking us, you know, what are what are our prayer requests, how they how they can pray for us. Listen, I know priests pray for their parishioners all the time. Reach out to them and just let them just know. Let them know, yeah. Hey, I know that you're having a tough week, or maybe I haven't seen you in a while. I'm praying for you. Yeah. That goes a long way. It goes a very long way. Right. Um, it, it's, it's just grace, reassuring. It's a grace-filled moment. It is a grace-filled moment. Um, so, and it's very easy, right? You've already done all the hard work. You've prayed. Right. You're praying for them. Let them know. Um, and it will, like, re- it'll steal them in, in Christ. Right. So, uh, if you're listening on the radio, hang on there with the podcast, because I'm going to go over a couple more. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Okay, I'm going to just keep rolling if that's all right. One of the things that I uh, want, is that okay with you? You reached for your microphone, so I wanted to make sure. Okay. Another thing that I want to just encourage priests to do. is inc- you, li- you like it when they do it. And I, and, and I like when they do it, is increase their prayer life. Working for the church, you realize that the even more so than when I didn't work for the church, the amount of attacks that have you know uh, the spiritual warfare that happens with priests. Mm-hmm. Uh, priests are human; they have the same temptations as you and I do. There are times when priests feel like that they, they may be le- like in the seasons of life, whether you're married or you're living a vocation. There are times the ebb and flow of, uh, you know, maybe I'm I'm not living the vocation God's calling me to, right? Maybe the the honeymoon phase has worn off. Uh, maybe you're entertaining the idea of like maybe I shouldn't have been a priest or. Or as a married person, maybe maybe God was actually calling me to be a priest, mm-hmm. um, and that maybe I have too many kids. <laughs> and I think that uh, that that is a na- I think that is a natural uh, question that happens at times, depending on your life, depending on like how your life is going and and uh, how old yeah. you are. Sure. But those moments get squashed very quickly when you have a deep, intimate relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Because you realize very quickly, no, God has called me to this. I'm living out my vocation. I'm doing what he wills. And questioning what he wills is not of God. Well, also, a contemplative prayer life is really the only way to keep your appetites in check. Mm-hmm. When your appetites start to get out of check... That's when you start having, you know, like you start indulging, you know, eating too much, uh, not exercising, leisure, over leisuring, um, and in ways that are just not healthy, ordered, 
you know, it's not that they're unhealthy, but they're not ordered, you know, like how, how much time do you spend on YouTube today? You know what sure. I mean? And stuff like that. And then you kind of slip into some of these bad habits because you're not taking that reflect self-reflection mm-hmm. um, in contemplative prayer and really like opening yourself up, letting the Lord reveal stuff to you. Mm-hmm. It's the same. That that advice goes for everybody, priests and lay. Sure. I mean, so. Uh, a thing that I want to advise the lady is to invite priests over for functions. Yes. Uh, big events that are in your life, birthdays, parties, uh, things that are just happening within your family, invite them over. Now, obviously, priests, you got to remember, there are a lot of priests out there, like I said earlier on the podcast, that are juggling three parishes, have to drive an hour and a half to get to each place, uh, you know, things of that nature. So they may not be able to come, but it is important to, there's something that has happened that used to it used to be a normal thing i can remember as a kid growing up it was a normal thing for my grandparents to invite their parish priest over for dinner while we were all together that was just a that was almost a a, a given it's like did you did you invite uh aunt and uncle did you invite the priest you know mm-hmm. it was just a that was a given thing whatever has happened over the last 40, 50 years, the idea of not inviting your priest over and to be a part of your family life, to be a part of the big mon- like monumental stages within your ch- kid's life, it's important to have your kids see their spiritual father at events. Um, yeah. Well, and so part of the problem is that now we move priests every seven years. Well, you know, I, that, that historically, that was not the case. You were, a, that priest would be at a parish for you know yeah and until he retired and so it makes a difference when this priest the thing is after seven years that's about how long it takes to like actually become part of someone's life you know where you say oh i've been here i remember when you were baptized you know now here i'm giving you first communion you know like you've you've actually put in the groundwork now to where and uh, as soon as you get there they move them now Mm -hmm. i understand i'm not trying to get into that debate because there's I understand there's pros and cons to, you know, both these things, but that is a challenge, you know, where before your parish priest, it's like, yeah, he's been the priest here for the last 25 years. He, you can't, he can't help but be a part of the family. Mm-hmm. You know, he really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, but I, I agree, we should be inviting them over. I mean, whether they're a new priest, old priest, doesn't matter. Um, and you don't necessarily have to invite your parish priest. Um, I mean, if there's a priest in the diocese that you have a relationship with sure invite him also invite your parish i mean like or don't invite your your pastor i mean that you don't have to invite your pastor but having a priest in the home you know for your kids to grow up seeing oh yeah there's always a priest at my birthday party right to just be comfortable around uh you know it's priest outside of your sanctuary and it's good for the priests right you know so like Invest in invest in someone. Yeah, you know, back, I, I would assume, I don't know this for sure, I could be wrong, totally okay with this, being wrong on this uh, point, but I would imagine back in the day as a Catholic, uh, when there was true Catholic culture that was thriving, when a Catholic kid had a birthday coming up and there was a birthday party like that needed to be had around the Catholic community, they would do it at the parish. 
Maybe. Because, because it was the place, it was a point, it was the uh, point of contact or the point of reference for everybody. Mm-hmm. It was like the place to go. Like, what well, we wouldn't go to a bounce house. We would go to the the Catholic Church. Right. Um, Certainly, that was the case. You know, especially like New York, Chicago, where it was very cultural. You know, this is where the Italian Catholics are. This is where the German. Mm-hmm. Ca- you know, so um, f- first, first the parish was very neighborhood. This is the neighborhood, very local. You know, like it's going to cover a few streets. Because mm-hmm. that's how many Catholics are here, mm-hmm. and there's seven priests, mm-hmm. you know, and people are packed in to Chicago, and they have 200 family members. So mm-hmm. yeah, where else are you gonna? Ha- where else can you have a birthday party? But it would other be cool. than the parish hall. It would you know? be cool. It was, but it was good. To the bring, whole thing yeah. was good. It was be. It would be cool for that to be something that that is brought back. You know, like because. These events, you know, the baptism is a is a uh, public event, right? You are uh, in, in the baptism. You are saying, "Listen, all of you need to be praying for this for this newly baptized person." It, it is a communal event. Uh-huh. It is, uh, and all of your big events would be. It would be cool if we all focused it back on the Catholic community. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the other one that I had on here, and this one, uh, you kind of ruined it because you said that... Oh, it goes for both. It goes for both. But it's increase your prayer life as mm-hmm. the lady. Uh, you you need to be pre- praying for your priests. You need to be praying for your bishops. One thing that I, I love about uh, something uh, a habit that you guys do that I that we have picked up on is at the end of grace, uh, you know, bless the Lord and these, I guess, we're about to see about Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless the cook and bless the bishop. Mm-hmm. Every time you're, you're you're praying before meals, you're asking God to bless the bishop. Bless the bishop, right. Which is a great, like... It's one of those prayer hacks. It's a prayer hack. Uh, and, and I can remember when when um, some of the scandals came out in the church, and I was talking to my grandmother, who is the, the most holy person that I know, Um. I was asking her, like, what are your thoughts here? You know, it's kind of like, man, this is heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And her first thought, or her first reaction was, this is a sign that the lady's not praying for the priest. Mm. Very true. And I remember thinking, like, wow, there's so many emotions going on here, right? You know, uh, of uh, being upset with the priest, being upset with the, the people who are covering it up, being upset with uh, how all of this is handled and all the all the people who are doing the wrong to be pointing the fingers. And the first thing you do is have a recognition of we're not praying for priests enough. Mm-hmm. One, I speak, I think that speaks to her holiness. Sure. Um, but, and I think there's a, a reality there that we're not praying for our priests and our bishop enough. You think, you think as a, you think as a Catholic dad who you're trying to live your faith, you're trying to pass on the faith to your kids, you're trying to be a good husband, uh, with all the attacks that are happening on you, uh, on a day-to-day basis, that the devil is always attacking you, you know, with whatever it is, anger, lust, you know, you name whatever it is, you you name it, uh, you think you're being attacked. Uh, how much more is is the devil focusing on the priests and the bishops? Yeah, because he ruins one priest, uh, that ruins thousands of plus souls. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he ruins one father that could that could ruin just a family. Yeah. What if he gets a bishop? You know right. What, I mean? what if he gets a bishop? I mean, so um, spiritual warfare is very real, and I think that we have become lax as a lady of taking the responsibility of praying for our priests, and I think that 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 goes um, for you know, the fourth commandment of honoring your father and mother is paying the respect that is due to this office, which, which means that you should be praying for for that, op, you know, f- for those people, meaning praying for your priest, right. praying for your bishop. Yeah, you should pray for your, specifically your pastor um, every day. There's a, like a hierarchy of, it, it's like, uh, I don't know what the what the word is to, to describe this, but, you know, when a father prays for his wife or for his or for his children that is a prayer that the lord will always hear because it's um his duty it's the father's duty to pray for for these people right um and so when you do the thing that god is commanding you to do you know he's given you these children you need to pray for them that is a, a very efficacious prayer okay mm-hmm. the same is true kind of like the children praying for your father it's like yeah you can pray for anybody but when you pray for your father that also because it's like you know you need your father to be strong because you're their child right that's also there's just like it's in that line of authority Mm -hmm. it's like that direct path of authority okay so it's just a more it's a more efficacious prayer you your prayers are more powerful for people in this like that you have direct connections to of authority in that Mm -hmm. way so the same is true for your pastor. So you can pray for your own pastor um, more powerfully. It's just th- those are just be- stronger prayers than when you just pray for like a priest across the world you don't know of. You should pray for. So every day on my rosary, I pray for all priests, especially of our diocese, and then I name some that are more specific. Uh, that's something that everyone should be doing every day. Yeah. Those are the ones that I had. Hopefully, mucho excelente. And I and again, check out Pastors of Pain, Father Kerry, Father Brian O'Brien. Uh, they had two shows about that. And shout out to them for having the courage to do it because uh, both of those are controversial. Like people are going to get mad regardless of what they said, regardless of what they did. There are going to be people who are kind of moaned about it, right? Um, just because there there's going to be something that's upsetting. You know what I want to see. Out of priests, I'm going to say what I what I like to see out of priests. It's I don't know that I don't honestly think this is lacking in priests, not around here. But when a priest, when a priest, especially a pastor, specifically a pastor, exercises and and stands firm in his authority as pastor, um, I don't like it when parishes say, "Oh, uh, you know, what are we going to name?" You know, what saint are we going to name the new building after? Let's take a vote. Uh, because it's like, well, you know what? It's not your building. It's actually the priest's building. It's his. He's the pastor here. He's actually the one who... You know, it's like, mm-hmm. if this is a maybe an unfair analogy, but my wife and I are having a baby. We're not having a baby. Whoa, if, I was like, wait we a minute, time out. I'm just saying hypothetically. And it's like... Let's let the kids vote on what the new baby is like. Yeah, they can do that, but at the end of the day, I'm the one we're, naming. We're not this. naming it Rainbow Star, right? Exactly. Or Pia Hussard. Yeah. 
or Peekaboo Street, you know. Yeah. So, like when uh, when priests, you know, like stand up and say, "No, this is the way it's gonna be." Respect it. You know, like even if it's like not, they know this is not the popular. This is not the popular choice. But let me just tell you, this is how it's gonna be. I'm always like, yeah. Get this democracy out of my religion. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's the same way with fathers. You know, totally. When, when they're disciplining their kids or whatever, and it's like, nope, this is how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Regardless if I agree. If all the kids say, you know, when we say like, hey, I'm sorry, uh, we're not doing dessert tonight. Yeah. And all the kids start like, oh, Aww. dad, come on. What? It's like, it's like, uh, yeah, I already decided. And that response actually warrants no dessert tomorrow. Mm-hmm. In fact, tomorrow, I'm eating your dessert. <laughs> you all have to watch me eat it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to eat it slow. And I wasn't going to bake brownies, but now I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat it slow. Maybe with some ice cream. So, Anyway. Juan, turn it off. <laughs>